0: You're listening to a Monkey Buns production. Hello and welcome to Alfie Pod's Fantasy Footy FPL Weekly Edition. The show for football fans who love to geek out on the official fantasy Premier League with a balance of stats, partisan opinions and football banter. My name is Alfie, I'm a live comedy entertainer and unashamed Portsmouth supporter who, having grown up on soccer supremos and championship manager, has now taken it upon myself to steer away from my modest draft success in order to conquer the most popular fantasy football game on the planet. Each week I'm joined by experienced FPL content writers from around the globe as they heroically lend me their skills and guide me through their philosophies and tactical choices for the fixtures that lay ahead. On this episode we discuss the new information we gather from Game Week 1, exciting. Before turning our focus to the transfer choices for Game Week 2, also exciting. So despite Brentford's winning start at home, do their upcoming away fixes suggest their attacking play will favour Embuemo over Tony? Ben Rama impressed in West Ham's win, but with lingering Lingard transfer rumours, is he worth investing in? And with what seems like a cross-the-balls into the box intent from Everton, is it time to jump on DCL and Richardison as they face potential opposition that don't necessarily deal well with crosses? These questions and more in our chatty football pie. FBO, I want to be champion. Or at least I'm going to be top ten. Now there's this guy who plays the best at chess. If I beat him, that's relative success. Take it down now! Will I be Magnus? Or is this madness? Will I, will I, will I be Magnus? I got to know I got to be that Magnus. Welcome to the FPL Weekly. My name is Alfie, of course, and I'm joined by my wonderful guests. Uh, calling all the way from Colombia, enjoying a proper summer, is a joyous Spurs fan who watched all the action at the weekend on no less than five screens. A man putting the ADHD community to shame. It's Will, <laughs> aka Top Marks. How are you, Will? Thanks for that introduction, Alfie. Yeah, I'm well. I'm well, thank you. I'm feeling... It
1: was nice to watch all the games and for it not to drag on. Like last season, I was watching all the games. It was spread out over a a week or something. It was horrible. Sometimes it felt like two weeks, didn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, welcome change is the... uh, I say change, but a welcome return of the three o'clock kickoff. Absolutely. Um, also enjoying ourselves, calling from Dat Dem Dare in Dublin, a fallen legend of the FPL world, determined to reclaim what is rightfully his in the 21-22 season, and to also help me write a much needed new podcast theme song. It's Matt Kenny. Matt Kenny, how are you? I'm I'm not too bad, Alfie. How are you? <laughs> is the uh the march back to the top is back in full flow now, right? Definitely, definitely getting my story, getting a bit of momentum down now. Until next weekend. Until next weekend. And also, according from the Netherlands, a semi professional footballer who, according to Transfer Market, his highest market value was £45,000 back in 2019. But surely that must have rocketed because now he's joint top leader of the Alf Pods Liga Death <laughs> It's Jordi van der Laan. How are we, Jordi? Thank you, Alfie. That is a wonderful introduction. <laughs>
2: You, I never grand? knew my market value was 45,000.
0: I mean, I'm tempted to sell you for at least, I'll sell you for three grand. If anyone wants you, I'll Is save that, you for three could grand. Could that
2: be translated to a 4.5 striker in FBL? <laughs> I
0: don't know. Yeah, well, I'll, yeah I'll take a punch. I on could you. be
2: a bench fodder. <laughs> I would be a red a flag,
0: fun. though. <laughs> permanent injury. Yeah, maybe. Well, uh, talking about permanent injuries and red flags and bench fodder, uh, we're going to talk about this week's games. But before we do that, let's have a quick Game Week 1 roundup. Game Week roundup. Flat track bully Bruno scores a hat-trick as Man United beat Leeds 5-1 at Old Trafford, which gets the media all giddy. Who must have forgotten that they beat Leeds 6-2 at Old Trafford last season? And, well... You know. Brentford showed us how busy those beads can be by clipping the rather fractious wings of Arsenal, while super subs give Brighton a win at Turf Mall, despite a bright start from Burnley, who benefited from a rejuvenated Royal Rumble refereeing system. Meanwhile, the Thomas Tuchel lottery machine selected Alonso. Pulisic and Shalaba to dispatch Big Pat's Palace Rafa may have gotten lost on his return to Merseyside but Everton performed a nice little U-turn having been strong-armed by Adam coming back to win 3-1 against Ralph's depleted Saints Jamie Vardy may have lost a yard but proved to the Leicester fans he had enough yards in the bank to dispatch a competitive but yet unknown Wolves Post-Jack life, Raston Villa started badly enough as they travelled to Vicarage Road and got annihilated by Sars pace and power and menaced by Dennis as Watford embraced their return to the Premier League with a 3-2 win. Norwich unsurprisingly got done by Liverpool and Salah. Ben Rama helped orchestrate a goal-rama as the Hammers dampened a lively Newcastle side coming from goals down to win 4-2 in a thrilling contest at St James's Park. And a resolute Spurs side come out on top in the Hurricane Derby as they beat Man City at home for the second season in a row, causing the Lily Whites faithful to Ask, where can we finish this season? Seven. The answer is seven. Game week roundup. So, Matt, you watched the Everton versus Southampton game. Uh, did you enjoy that? Yeah, I did.
3: Um, you know the old cliche, a game of two halves. Definitely was. Mm. Um, Southampton were probably the better of the two teams in the first half. Everton had a few half chances. Uh, obviously, when Southampton went ahead from uh, you know a defensive mistake from Keane. Uh, It certainly changed the game, and Everton really had to push forward and try and get back into it. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting. uh, You know, the second half produced three goals for Everton. Um, Calvert-Leon, I think, one of the kind of best strikers statistically for the week. You know, uh, five shots in the box. Um, A lot of them were headers, which I kind of had envisaged. Um, Obviously, Southampton without Vestager, it was always going to be a case of that trying to get balls into the box to calvert Lewin, and try and exploit that, uh, the, you know, the absence of, of a defender who's, you know, generally good at uh, defending high balls in. So, yeah, um,
0: I'm happy I went with, with Calvert-Leon and, yeah. Points on the board. So Everton, um, Everton focused on putting crosses into the box, which seems like with that setup they got, which could be the way forward for them, uh, which... Which teams can we expect them to be successful against? I mean, they're away to Leeds next. Um, are Leeds necessarily comfortable with balls going in those areas? Um, well,
3: as you already said, you know, last season, they, they ranked as one of the worst teams for defending set pieces. Um, it's it's very hard to know where they're at this season. Um, you know, United you know, didn't really get an awful lot of set pieces uh, in, in that 5-1 trashing um, I think there was five corners and maybe a half chance for McGuire, and then there was a lot of free kicks, but they were all taken short. You know, showing, you know, it's want, uh, you know, kind of desire to want to play more direct football. Just kind of, you know, made no sense for United to launch balls into the box without someone like Cavani there. They haven't really got a big presence at the moment. Um, so yeah, um, I don't really know where Leeds are at the moment. I know that's not a great answer, but. They, they definitely struggled, you know. I think it's more of a case of the way United are playing caused a lot of problems. We've seen it in pre-season against Everton. Um, I know it's only a pre-season game, and there was a lot of players missing, but uh, United's kind of direct football caused, uh, you know, create a lot of chances for the likes of Greenwood, uh, Fernandez, and even though they did kind of overperform in their XG this week. They they, they played very well. Um, They didn't actually have an awful lot of touches in the box, which showed they kind of wanted to, you know, pass the ball around, be direct, and just get it into the box without taking too many touches. So that's interesting. Another thing I kind of found interesting from the game was, um, you know, United, they made something like 15, uh, 15 tackles and 11 of them were fouled. So that'll be something to kind of watch whether it was poor defending and poor tackling or just kind of taking a leaf out of Man City's book and trying to execute kind of uh, tactical fails to stop counterattacks. So that'll be interesting to see, especially when they play Southampton next week um, because they gave up an awful lot of set pieces and, of course, quality of James Ward-Prowse's set pieces, that might be something Southampton might be able to get a goal from. But obviously Southampton, one of the worst kind of XG Results for for this week, so it, it's going to be really tough for Southampton to get out and against United next week.
0: But how did how did Southampton look against Everton then?
3: They started off okay. Um, first half, they it, it was a close first half. I didn't think either team was particularly good. They pressed very well, um, which I thought was a good kind of tactic because obviously United did the same thing in the preseason game. You know, that they knew that a bit of pressure would force a few mistakes. And of course, that's what happened. Yeah. Keane, uh, you know, stalled too long on the ball, was caught in between passing to a defender and laying it back off and, and then just lost possession. I, I think going forward, I, I think the way Everton played against Southampton worked well because they knew they were, gonna, you know, going to be vulnerable to crosses and aerial balls, especially with Calvert-Lewin there. Benitez is a good enough manager to kind of tweak that as he needs to, mm-hmm. and especially if you look at their next six fixtures, you know they play the likes of uh, I think obviously Leeds next week, Brighton, uh, Burnley, Aston Villa, and Norwich, who all kind of had a a lot of big chances conceded and a lot of, and, you know a high xG this week, uh, and if you combine that with the fact that Everton had a, a very very high xG, two points was two point six something, you know I, I think that bodes well for Everton. So yeah, I, I'd be looking at getting them in uh, if you, if you haven't. Richardson looks good at seven point five. I think calvert leon at eight is also good. The jury's out with me as far as Dinya is concerned. Dean is concerned. Yeah, yeah, concerned. Uh, Look at
0: Dane.
3: It seemed like he had lost set pieces, but he did take a few against uh, Southampton. So you know he might be back on a few of them. But as far as defensively, I'd like to see a little bit more from everything before investing
0: in.
1: Just to be a pedant, uh, Richarlane is now 7.6.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> already?
1: Already. Oh, yeah.
0: that means Bruno's going up as well then, is not it, in theory?
1: I think Bruno's gone up already as well. Yeah. He's got a good choice. Uh, just to give you some stats on um, headed chances conceded from last season. So Leeds were the fifth worst for that stat. They conceded 93 headed goal attempts and Burnley conceded 91 just behind them in um, in seventh. So they're not necessarily bad fixtures. And, yeah, just to note on the on the match, I think what was interesting in the second half is that he moved, Benitez moved and closer to Calvert-Lewin, and this made them, it somehow made them much more direct, And they, you know, the, the tactic of getting loads of crosses into the boxes. and for me, DCL is the player I want more than any other player. Highest non-penalty XGI, uh, which basically means he had the best chances of any forward, and he kind of, you know, you're comparing it to someone like Tony, and you're thinking, oh, Tony, i had him in my game at one team, but he ended up, Tony ended up being more of a pivot, kind of, you know and M- Bueno, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name M- Brian bueno.
0: yeah but, I, sh- I struggle with that name as well but yeah
1: He Tony ended up being more of a pivot rather than a focal point for the attack whereas Calvert-Lewin literally was the player who was going to score you know I know Richarlison got a goal but they were aiming everything at Calvert-Lewin he really seems like the uh, the
3: attacker to own I think it's worth noting as well I thought Livermento had a decent first half I thought he marked Richarlison quite well um, he caused a lot of problems with Charleston. You could see getting very frustrated and picked up a booking as well. Um, so again, like Will said, they're moving with Charleston more central, I think, was also to get away from Livermanto as well as try and increase their chances of, of getting a few you know scoring opportunities.
0: And he's that 4 million defender for Southampton, right?
3: Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't think a lot of people were expecting him to come straight in. Um, whether Hassan Hilton thought he did enough to keep the place, it would be interesting to see. Um, especially for those of us who, you know, bought Simikas uh, for Liverpool and might look to trade him out in a few weeks when Robertson comes back. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that spot.
2: Based on on the game last weekend, what do you think yourself about Livermento? Will he keep his spot or if you had the
3: Um I thought he played well. Um, I thought it was the left back. Um I he was subbed off. I thought he had a bad game uh, for Southampton. I didn't think Livermento was too bad. Uh, I thought probably actually won the better defenders at the back four. But again, look at Hassan will have a better idea, than I will, um, you know, about players. So, but he got but the, I'm sure,
0: Kyle will, Walker Peters will come back at some point. What's the deal with him? Well, he
2: was on the bench, so oh. yeah, that's, that's that's the question now. Yeah, <clears throat> was it just also t- uh, also from the from the from the starting XI, or yeah? I've also read that uh, Lee to can play right uh, right midfielder, so there's a chance uh, that he gets to play higher off the pitch as well.
0: And and while we're on four million defenders, because the other one is obviously Hoover, Hoover, of obviously Wolves, and you got him, Will. Uh, What was your intel on him? I mean, was that just a one-off start, or was he likely to... I mean, because Semedo got dropped for him, didn't he?
1: There was some banging going on. (laughs) Yeah, he's a rival to Semedo. I don't think he's going to be a regular starter, but he um, Semedo's building up fitness, as far as I'm aware. So is probably a short-term short-term option. That, yeah, there isn't really a good 4.0 option at the moment, as far as I'm aware. I mean, none that are long-term, but maybe... <laughs> maybe this has to to guys.
0: Whatever Matt said, basically. <laughs> Will can't speak because of them banging going on in the background.
2: I want to ask Will a question, but yeah. There's too much the email. Because, because I think Hoover, Hoover is one of a few... Uh, along with livarmente who can, who might even keep his place because he had a very good preseason. And in those, in that preseason, uh, uh, Bruno Lager switched to a five at the back because the four wasn't working. Hoover is, uh, can also play at the right center back, which he did in preseason yeah. as well. When, some, uh, I think also when Semedo played one time, uh, Semedo played a friendly game yesterday, I think. So, yeah, there's a big chance he will he will be back uh, this weekend at right win back. But yeah, I think there's also a decent opportunity for Hoover to keep his place in starting XI by playing right center back. It yeah, was, essentially it's just yeah.
1: uncertainty. We don't know for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's potential. There's potential for sure.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. The
2: same as same as Livramento. I mean, he can lose a spot to Walker Peters just as easily as he can keep him uh, keep starting. Yeah. It's all just guesswork right
0: now. But with all, with all the um, high-end players firing, I mean, it puts the four million players more on the spotlight, isn't it? Because you've got to find that cash from somewhere. So that's where I'm kind at the moment. Okay. That's a very good point, Alfie. Don't just leave that there. That is a very good
1: point. That is going to be the structure of our teams going forward. It's like we are going to have a ton of premiums this season. We've got Lukaku to come in. We've got Kane to come. Son looks like he's going to be good. We've got Bruno and Salah. How the hell are you going to do this? You need these cheap players. You need these, fight, you know, you need these dirt cheap. And it's already, uh, yeah. So four million defenders. Is it is it even worth just playing two defenders? Are these like and having a trying to have like three, four millions and hoping one of them plays? Well, oh, that's an interesting I mean, this, theory. The structure of how you're going to do your team. Like, are these premiums going to get so many more points than everybody else that we need to jump on and, and get them?
0: But well, uh, if if the the rest of the season is like uh, game week one, then yes, it's the answer, isn't it? <laughs> but we'll see when winter come around, things might change, things get different. But at the moment, it certainly seems that way. would uh, you um you watched Newcastle versus West Ham, which as I did, very it was a very exciting game. Newcastle, yeah. I think the, the I would describe Newcastle as frantic and well up for it, but it's like a group of mates getting over the park and really wanted to prove <sighs> something. Um, Look dangerous. So they almost h- harnessed the power of the home advantage, but ultimately outdone by a calm and well-organised David Moyes side. Newcastle are away to Aston Villa next, who themselves were a little off it and on the end receiving end of a newly promoted team starting their campaign, of their vociferous, vociferous home support in the shape of Watford. Uh, will Dean Smith's men gain the same benefit as other teams have of being at home with a capacity crowd and sort of smash Newcastle with some sort of ease?
2: Well, I don't think it will go with these, but I think they will bounce back after last week's uh, defeat against Watford. Uh, but to come back to your first point, yeah, Newcastle-West Ham was a pretty exciting it was game, good, wasn't was it? It? Yeah. it was one of the most exciting games of the weekend, I think. Uh, also, like uh, like Matt said about uh, Everton-Southampton, was a game of two halves. I, di- I didn't think West Ham would come back at halftime. Uh, uh, I was like, okay, hopefully Antonio can grab uh, one return or something. But, yeah, they scored three goals inside 15 minutes or so. So, um, yeah, it was quite a good game. Uh, Newcastle have become more of an attacking side in the second half of last season already due to the appointment of a certain attacking coach. I'm not sure what his name is. Wilson spoke about it. I think we spoke about it last week. uh, Yes, we did. We touched
0: upon that, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think we, we, we saw it in the game too. Um, I thought they were quite a bit naive in the second half because they were in front and they were very leaky at the back, as we've seen. Uh, I think the game was it was the most XG in total of every Premier League game, I think, if oh, wow. you combine both sides. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, at Villa Park, we will see another trailer with lots of goals. Hopefully Danny Ings can grab a few.
0: I know... Um- I, uh, for some reason, I, I, I over-tinkered last week, as a lot of people did, and in the end, I don't know why, but when Buendia ended up my side, I was trying to do the reverse, the reverse, the reverse. I mean, even though I don't really rate him, I think he's, people love to love him, they think he's the new Pelé, don't they? I think he's useful. But um, but also, Villa, you look at their squads, That and then Toronto came on, didn't he? And uh, their new winger as well, the, what's his name? Bay. Yeah, exactly. Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey, exactly. And uh, they look pretty good, yeah. Um, With West Ham, though, um, they face Leicester next week. So likewise with West Ham, they face Leicester in what already seems like a clash of the titans. Uh, But will uh, will the fact they're playing their first home game of the season to a full London Stadium be enough to see them over the line against the equally impressive Foxes? I mean, like, how... How invested are we in this home home uh, attendance situation?
2: Well, I was invested in Leicester, uh, but Bertrand got COVID, so I'm not invested anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I think this game will be a tight affair. I think West Ham, uh, David Moyes, has the ability to uh, set West Ham up attacking as well as defensively. He has the ability to, uh, when he plays lesser opposition, he knows they are on the front foot and they need to attack. And he has also the ability to uh, play more defensively against stronger opposition. Against Leicester, I think he knows, of obviously, they will be better than Newcastle. So they will set up more defensively. And I think it will become a tight affair. Uh, Brandon Rogers has the same abilities. There are games Leicester can score for fun, but also against Wolves. Uh, they're in front. They can score more, but they prefer to defend the
0: one nil lead. Yeah, the game management's there, isn't it? They both have that. Who dares more, I think. Well, you, you'd have to think that West Ham would have to dare more because of the home support, wouldn't you? So you'd have yeah, to think they'd come out.
2: you you think so, but I don't think West Ham are one of a few teams, I think, who don't necessarily have a big home advantage historically in, the, uh, in their new stadium. I think there was a story about that. Two seasons ago or so. i just I'm like to sure. jump in sure. on that,
1: Jordi. uh, West Ham have expanded their capacity from fifty-five 000 to sixty thousand, and fans will be closer to the pitch now. Okay. So, so they've done. That's a new change. So yeah, they okay. should. So the atmosphere should be. I wasn't atm- there been, of that. Uh, Yeah. No, I've been. I will just speak to my West Ham mate yesterday. And, yeah, I've been to, um, London Stadium a few times, and it's it's just vast. It's not like the Spurs Stadium, which is really good, and you kind of on top of the pitch a bit more <laughs> obviously no no dig there it's really good really good <laughs> so I know about that. yeah the sounds kept inside yeah exactly it's great so anyway so west Ham have slightly improved their stadium so that might make a difference
2: yeah okay i wasn't aware of that but yeah surely they will uh they will have an advantage because home fans will return after huh? uh, what's like one and a half years uh, it will be a tight affair i think and uh I'm only invested with Antonio. I'll play him. I I have Bertrand, but Bertrand uh, got COVID just before last weekend's game. And I I wasn't planning on playing him this this weekend anyway, so I'll probably roll my transfer, but that's another thing.
1: Can I ask, what do you think about um, Lingard's potentially arriving? There's a lot of, I mean, West Ham have been very open about saying they want him. And even there, I think Randolph it was, is on Instagram saying, Jesse, you know, you want to come back or something like that. I mean, and if he arrives, that's surely not good news for Benrahma. Yeah, that
0: would show the appeal of Manrama, yeah. Your player of the season, Njordi. Yeah, well, uh, have you seen him last weekend? Yeah, he did look all right. But he, he's he's just a bit lightweight, I think, against other teams. What do you mean? Honestly, this is gonna, he's quite lightweight. I think he's tidy. I just don't think he's... Or well, tactically, he... I don't know, I like him. I saw him a couple of seasons ago for Brentford, and I thought he's tasty, but not, you know, useful tasty, but not... We don't think can, some team we won't be able to dominate a lot of teams. Whereas, if you think how Marius came through, he dominated teams, big teams.
2: Yeah, but it's also got to do with the team you're playing, and of course, yeah, exactly. Uh, just, just like I just said, uh, uh, Weston will set up more defensively against stronger opposition, and then Ben Rama won't have to yeah, won't have the, won't be as close to the goal as he will, uh, as he was against Newcastle. Or
1: I was going to say Ben Rama Just tactically, it was different, wasn't it? Because Antonio was. Pull him wider a bit. He wasn't always staying in the box. And he had Ben Rahman was the one going into the box. So I think that Lingard situation needs monitoring because if Lingard doesn't go, then Ben Rama's is an absolute steal at six million. Yeah. Um, but the problem if Lingard does go, either Ben Rama goes to the bench or he gets moved to a wider position. I mean, he's ultimately not, and we'd need to see what happened, but you'd expect Lingard would be the one supporting Antonio more.
2: I think it's really hard for, uh, for Lingard to just, come to West Ham and start again, for, uh, uh, get the start. Because Benrahma played really well, and I thought Bowen did brilliant too. So, and Fornals is just a player that Moyes used, uses also to refer to a five-at-the-back system in-game uh, because they play, they started four-at-the-back last weekend, and they sometimes reverted to a five-at-the-back with Creswell dropping... Uh, alongside the center backs and Fornals taken over at left wing back, because Fornals work rate is immense. So I I don't see a player that easily drops out when uh, when Lingard comes in. Well, obviously, obviously it would shorten uh, ben rama's appeal if uh, Lingard arrives. But yeah,
3: could um, <coughs> but did Jared Bowen start? Uh, mm, yeah, he was yeah, good. It was very good. Okay. I was going to say maybe could like Antonio go up top with maybe Lingard and Ben Rama took behind in a kind of central role at at Bowen's expense. Um, But then
0: again, if Bowen had a good game, you know, again. I I don't know how you saw it, Yuri, but I saw it as I think more second half. Is the fact like we'll touch upon is that Antonio's playing wide, but he wasn't playing wide. He was starts as a central striker yeah. up against the centre halves, then drifts wide, creates that space for the sort of false nine, drifting player to come into the space. Whereas Bowen basically did stick to the right wing, so there wasn't like a huge rotation. It was just between Antonio yeah. and Ben Rama. But you'd imagine Lingard could possibly play that role better than Ben Rama. I would say,
2: but again, uh, based on last weekend's performance, this uh, Moyes yeah. can't really bench Ben Rama. I mean, yeah, surely if uh, if Lingard arrives in two weeks and Ben Rama has a poor game against Leicester and I, I don't know who they play after uh, Crystal Palace at home, then yeah.
1: What's your so? What's the takeaway then? Are we buying Ben Rama now because the fixture is
3: good and West Ham are playing well, or do we not buy him? For, well, for me, it depends on whether I can get early team news about. Liverpool on Saturday morning and if if it looks like Jota isn't going to start I'm just going to jump straight onto Ben Rama so that's my thinking. it's going to depends on whether Jota starts or not and whether I can get team news I would like him I'd like Ben Rama I thought he looked really really good against Newcastle um like we were saying you know as the game went on he he got into more central positions and I mean for six point well six million at the moment might be six point six six point double time the podcast goes out but uh you know, uh, I think he's. I think he's a great option.
2: Are you really willing to to drop Yota for him? Uh, well, I mean, if Yota gets thirty minutes against Burnley,
3: the, uh, the issue is uh, we might touch on it. You know, about the international break coming up um, and whether the likes of Brazil and stuff will continue to be on the red list. Because if that's the case, well then for me, you know, I may have to quarantine and miss game week four, possibly game week five meaning that Jota will probably play those weeks. So I think a lot counts on whether I can get whether we can get some news this this weekend. Um because I, I I don't know I think West Ham could do well against Leicester. I thought I didn't see the Leicester Wolves game but Wolves had a pretty good xg and Leicester had a pretty bad xg. And well that that coupled with I mean I don't see Wolves as a fantastic attacking team. Um, well, okay, maybe under new now. Obviously, they have new management now. But I mean, West Ham had the highest XG, I think, of all teams this week. Um, fair enough, they're playing Newcastle. But like we're talking about home advantage, I think it'll serve them well. I think they'll get goals, scoring opportunities. And looking at the way Antonio and Benrama and, and Bone played, like, you know, I don't see why they couldn't put two past Leicester. So then it all depends whether it's worth a free transfer on Jota. And that that depends on whether he he's likely to start or not.
1: And the other point with Jota, I think, is it's really this game because game week three, Liverpool play Chelsea, so you're not really. But he's not going to do much against them even if he does play. And yeah. then if he gets four and five, you so if he plays so. this week, yeah, it's, well, it's certainly going to be a tougher proposition. But um, basically, game week two, if he plays, great, because then if he's almost certain to play game week four and five as well, you leave him, don't you? Yeah.
0: yeah. And I'll add one more thing for you. This is a bit tasty. The last two games West Ham have play, played against Leicester, they put six goals past them. So Oh, you got to be excited there, Will <laughs> uh, Six goals, yeah, they, they beat um and but again they're like this this is the point of do we count last I mean do we count last season because it was such a, a unique experience in a way dangerous though but yeah and Jota doesn't score away. it doesn't score at home does he Jota famously if I'm correct I think I don't know how you get the stats up for that but I'm pretty sure he scored eight of his nine goals all the way from home for Liverpool or something like that. I mean, those
1: stats exist for certain players in different seasons they never pan
3: out long term.
0: They never they're never regulate you, know, you mean yeah. like. Yeah. I think the only worry with Jota is
3: that he can do well off the bench as well you know there's been a couple of times there where he's come off and, and you know bagged a brace or you know got double figures. Um But, you know, it depends on which Burnley side shows up. Um, Sometimes they can be a really tough team, you know, for the likes of Liverpool and bigger teams to play against. Other times they can just be rolled over. So it'll be interesting to see what side turns up.
0: I think the question I'm asking myself about Jota, because I thought about dropping him, because all these premium players like we touched upon that you want to get in, and then it means like sort of the sevens and the eights have to go. But then if Jota is a premium player, 7.5 million is an absolute steal, so that's why I'm kind of at the moment. I don't really know what to do with him. He does play for Liverpool, yeah.
2: He's a 7.5 asset, and whenever he's starting, he's just he he performs like a premium one. Even if he doesn't start the Burnley game, I will keep him because if he comes on for 30 or 35 minutes, he can do as much damage as Ben Rama does against Leicester in 90 minutes easily. And the thing is, what we just discussed. He will almost certainly start the Leeds game in game week four. Uh, and if uh, Firmino has to quarantine after coming back, then there's a big chance he will start game week five as well. That are Leeds and Crystal Palace games, well, basically bound to have goals.
0: <laughs> you think, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I guess the issue for
3: me is that, um, you know, my bench is very, very light this week. Um, I've got Matt Targa, who was taken off for of Villa at half time. Um, I've got Veltman who, you know, was a close contact and has to quarantine. So it remains to be seen whether he goes straight back into the team. And then my last defender is uh, is Luke Ailing against Everton who, of course, I'm going to be playing Calvert-Lewin. So, I, I and Brownhill will be my other uh, bench player who I'm not expecting a whole lot from. So yeah, I, well, my bench would be really light. You know, if, if Jota doesn't start, you know, a lot of people are going to have players, decent enough players coming off the bench to fill in there. Whereas I'm going to have... I may have nobody. Um, well, I'll have ailing, but I'm not expecting a whole lot. But uh, yeah, I suppose a lot of people weren't expecting a lot from them this week either. So... Is Matt to get rid of one of your defensive
2: players, like Matt Target?
3: Yes, but I'd, if I want to get rid of a defender, I want to bring in a like a decent defender, like someone from City with, you know, Norwich this week, or, you know, another premium player. But there's not a whole lot in that bracket that I'm... Super confident in, in investing in this early. So foul.
2: he would have Maybe. got an
3: assist. He had the highest um,
1: yeah. highest assist, xa, whatever you want to call it. But he crossed that ball when yeah, Antonio had hit hit the bar yeah. um, before. Yeah. One else was fouled. So he, he, and he was he was threatening. He was good. Yeah, yeah,
0: because. Yeah. um I picked up Soufao because obviously, Will, you you, meant, you mentioned to me. and I thought, well, five million for for a player who got what is it, nine assists last season from that position, and um, he didn't play the whole season. And and I did watch that. Obviously, watch that game like you already did. And he, yeah, it was unlucky. I looked at my whole defense. I invested in Trent and Soufao, and I think God, it's quite pricey, and it didn't have many returns. But actually. So marginal, so marginal. It's gonna be weeks and that's gonna really pay off, I think.
1: Absolutely. So far will give you will get returns, yeah, I agree. undoubtedly.
0: Uh, will, it's that time. We're gonna talk about Tottenham. So you watched Tottenham versus Man City and every other game apparently on your little <laughs> what should we call it? Like a production perl station <laughs> studio. <laughs> yeah. And uh, who have you stolen all those TVs from? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. So Tottenham versus Man City. Uh, Son, let's talk what mean Song. 17 goals, 11 assists last season. He scored it in the last weekend. I'll be honest, I only watched the first half of this game. He looks uh, looks likely to be the focal point if, if uh, Harry Kane goes. Uh, this obviously was the Harry Kane derby. Um, so if Harry Kane goes does become the focal point, but who will Son be assisting in that sense? And will Spurs, are they likely to be, because they had a lot of games last season under Jose where they hauled quite a lot and Son hauled quite a lot. But under Nune, were they really haul under him? Are they likely to score more than two goals per game? Um, I think what was interesting about, it was nice because I think I was talking
1: about it last week, you wanted to see Tottenham play a competitive match and how they set up. Um, City, increasingly as the game went on, Left space for the Spurs runners. So we had Lucas Mora, Stephen Bergwine, and Son, space for them to run into. And they were strong runners. They evaded a few challenges where City did try the their usual tactical, given a tactical foul to stop the counter. Um, Bergwine was a very strong runner. It was interesting, Lucas Mora had eight attempted uh, dribbles or take ons, eight times he tried to beat a player. And his average last season was like 2.3. So it was a real change in getting at how Spurs attacked um, and potentially even faster and more dynamic without Kane with that with that sort of trident that we had. So I think those three will probably... It'll take a bit of time, but they'll link up between them. So it depends where they are on the pitch. They'll probably switch positions a bit. Some, you sometimes see come over to the right, sometimes come over to the left, and they'll all do it. They'll all mix up a bit and, get, and just just run at teams i think it's quite exciting so imagine to answer that question they'll probably all just assist each other they'll, they'll be the main main ones right. doing
0: it those numbers won't necessarily disappear for son then
1: they won't necessarily i mean obviously teams will set up differently against them so will spurs always have that much space to to run into that they did against city and then we maybe see different tactics for instance in chelsea in pre-season chelsea were Chelsea gave Spurs no room at all in that first half. And only when Chelsea started making subs in the second second half of the pre-season match did Spurs start to have space. So it depends how team's set up against them. You'd imagine that usual thing of just look at the fixtures. If you see a weak opposition, then you're probably going to try and get them in because you imagine they'd have a bit more room. But, you know,
0: someone like Chelsea's not going to give them space. Uh, but they obviously got Wolves next week, haven't they? In the uh, Yeah, Wolves. In I, the would, I was
1: slightly... It was interesting because you've heard large is meant to be a more uh, attacking coach and you're potentially going to have more space behind. But then that kind of did it. I mean, they weren't bad against Leicester. So I was a little bit surprised. I'm not Again, I'm not quite sure what to expect in that game. Spurs on the front foot, we've got that new Argentine centre-back Romero who's, who was voted best defender in Serie A last year. Really quality player. So I think if we can get... And I suppose the other players you want to look at are players like Lo Celso and Ali. Because if you're if you're talking about talent, I think the best talent for Spurs, as a, unlike Wolves, um, are probably the central midfield players. They've probably got more talent than than the wingers than Bergwijn and Mora. Um, so maybe that's also encouraging. Maybe when teams do sit back and it's harder to break them down. I mean, look, Benjamin Mendy. We're not going to be playing against him every week. He was. No. It was terrible. <laughs> so uh yeah, so maybe we will have players like Lascelles who can who can create more from the centre of the park. So um, hopefully there'll be a balance to to how Spurs play. But you know, it's all, we've all got to, we've got to wait and see. Another player I thought was very good, but uh, Oliver Skip, he was he's maybe started. I think he he gave away that free kick when he found Grealish on the edge of the area. He maybe started a little bit slow, but he really was good. He got out. He really. In his area, he was never really quite a position, but he was very good at putting pressure on the player, making them play a pass and not making them play an easy pass. I thought he did very well alongside Hoiberg. you reckon he keeps his place, Will? Yeah, yeah, I do for the moment, yeah, definitely.
3: I was going to say, most importantly, Will, uh, that guy Scarlett made the squad. Do you think there's any hope for a, a 4.5 million striker who will actually get points?
1: Yeah, he'll probably get the odd one point now and again. I think they, they like him, and uh, but I don't see him been any more than, you know, like our version of Gabriel Jesus coming on in the last few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine being Jesus, where you're the reserve striker to a team that doesn't have a striker. <laughs> and
2: he even he even came on and played as a left uh, left winger.
0: Right. <laughs> such a poison position for City, that, though. I mean... It just—it's the one position that doesn't really work in the team. Like even Torres struggled. Surely KDB is starting there next weekend. Has to.
2: One final question
0: on Spurs. Go on then.
2: Well, what do you think of Bergwijn's appeal on uh,
1: FPL? uh he's only 6.0. Yeah, he is. I'd like to see him finish better. It's weird because yeah. he got one of his Obviously. first his his first appearance. I think it was was against City, and he got a yeah, really amazing, a that goal. Wonder goal. Yeah. amazing goal. But I've never been convinced by him as a as someone who can finish but if he's going to be getting chances and they're kind of counter-attack opportunities and we know that chances on the break are normally more likely to result in a goal and he could have scored against it if he had a good chance
2: yeah so double gonna, the XG of son
1: yeah if he's going to get in yeah well, son doesn't need I mean, yeah I know with, I know, but, I know yeah, son yeah. is an amazing finisher obviously yeah. but but you know it's interesting because you talk about like with, so I touched on this just on the xG point. I'm getting slightly sidetracked again, but did we talk about Man United and their low actually. Well, yeah, Greenwood had an amazing finish from the edge of the box. That was going to be low xG. Fernandez' uh, goal, where it was just almost cleared off the line, that was going to be low xG. But the other thing, which you've mentioned before, you all is goals change matches. So that yeah, you get a low xG goal. That doesn't necessarily mean you're then going to pro- like goals change how a team approaches the game. Yeah. So. Does that mean you're going to? You're not necessarily going to continue getting loads of chances. You're not going to need to get loads more chances, and it's sort of like no, you're going to
0: manage the game, aren't exactly. you? You're going to manage the game and close things off. Yeah, yeah. play, play.
1: We, yeah, or look, wait for your opportunities. Anyway, to, to answer Berg, one I think it, he's a wait and see for me. I think at that at that price, you've got Sar, you've got um, who uh, Watford who looks an amazing uh, value. Uh, you've got. You've got Ben Rama if he holds his place. But I would say Saar, if Ben Rama doesn't hold his place, then Saar's the, the go-to six million player. Um and Bergwan's one to watch, basically. Let's see how we let's see how he does.
0: Um, Man City, then guys, it's time to talk Man City, who obviously did lose to Tottenham, but you know, they, they lost to the Tottenham last season too. Um they looked rusty, didn't they? They looked like they're still in pre-season a little bit, but then again they had a poor start to last season. Uh KDB came back, came on, made a bit of a difference. Uh, They're playing Norwich, of course. So I don't know what you guys thought about Norwich. I didn't think Norwich were as bad as what they were a couple of seasons ago. Uh, I thought they were quite, they held their own against Liverpool to a certain degree. But are they the team to captain target?
3: I do feel, you know, very, very nervous not having any Man City players this week. But on the other hand, who do you get in? You know, obviously, De Bruyne is back, he's the safest option but you're going to be losing one of Salah or Bruno in reality to get him in. You know, you, you could say Mahrez as well. Um, but this was always my concern with Mahrez. I didn't think he looked great in the community shield uh, against Leicester. He squandered a lot of chances. And I was thinking, you know, if he doesn't have a good game against Tottenham, you know, his base is going to be up and, you know, up and question, You know, questionable. So, this is where we're at at the moment, right? A kind of a situation where it's don't buy them, don't sell them. If you already have them, keep them, hoping that he starts and does great. If you don't have them, maybe err on the side of caution. Um, of course, there's Grealish, probably a little bit more affordable. anyone who kept half a million in their bank can easily upgrade them, uh, upgrade the likes of Jota, who they might be having second thoughts about, um, or downgrade uh, somebody else, I don't know. But. <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough one. I I think a lot of this game week depends on how Man City do. There's kind of a camp where it's split between the, you know, Mahrez owners and the non-Mahrez owners, kind of like Bruno or Brew Yes last week. (laughs) Um, Maybe not to the same extent, because I don't think a lot of people are going to captain Mahrez just out of fear. I could be wrong, but, you know, I've made my bed, so I have to lie in it, so... I'm just praying that Man City have a, a, an off day and that Norwich, but I would I would definitely not be putting my money on, you know, Man City to not score a couple of goals past past Norwich. So, I guess it depends on who scores them. Somebody may be a bit arbitrary, like Ferran Torres, who mightn't be as. But and, and sorry, just one last point. If Mares does score, there's this kind of perception, obviously, when you're looking on Twitter and Mahrez is in a lot of sides that everybody has him. You know, he's only 8 point something percent ownership. It's not an awful lot. It's not a lot to do damage. Uh, in fact, Grealish is probably the one that's going to do the damage with, I think, 23 percent ownership. If he hauls, he's the guy that's going to do damage. So maybe less focus on Mahrez Blanken and more more focus on Grealish, uh, you know. But, but, but the thing is, I think we know Grealish will likely start um, giving Gundogan's shoulder injury. So, you know, that number eight role is definitely his um, you know, at the moment. So a lot of worry for me, that's it game, but I, I just have to stick to the plan.
2: Well, it doesn't need to be a worry if only Grealish is the one who's a bit high-owned, right? I mean, yep. Grealish is what you said, 23, not even. And the rest is all those attacking players are less than 8%. Even Kevin De Bruyne is only 2.6% owned. It's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's wow, probably, it's probably actually
3: their defense. If they keep a clean sheet, it's probably more damaging than uh, than Greenwich yeah. getting a goal, you know, given... Uh, is, it, is it Diaz or Laporte? Is the, Diaz? I think yeah. it's 20-something
2: 20 percent. 25 and a half.
3: Yeah, so uh, I'd be definitely cheering a, a Timu Puki goal or a Cantwell goal if, uh, if Norwich can get something. Uh, even just a goal, uh, that'll be a big win. Even if City go <laughs> on to
0: win three one, you do prefer ball. Diaz's own goal. I'd take that. Yeah, I'd take it. <laughs> and then get sent off for arguing <laughs> with the ref. Uh, you know, I've seen stranger things happen. To be fair, uh, Will, um, you wanted to make some moves this week. Going back to Leicester, you brought in Harvey Barnes in your midfield, six million midfielder, of course. Um, you now a bit, there's um, slight regret there. Uh, I think as you expressed to me before the show. Uh, so, what are you, what are you think in this game week? What moves are you, are you eyeing up?
1: My move this week is downgrade him, downgrade Barnes, who's seven, to Brian... Um, I can't... Bueno. And Bueno. thank you.
2: You could also say Kenda Bueno.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with Brian. And, uh, um, so my, so my, move, my move this week, or the potential move I'm thinking about, is Harvey Barnes to Brian and Bueno, and Tony to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, I slightly regret getting Tony because I hadn't. He was a slightly a pickup, a player I picked without ever having really watched him play that much. Uh, and I regret doing that um, because he did look like he was the one going for the flick ons. I mean, if you look at the average position for Brentford, Brian and Boemo were so far ahead of Tony um, that he seems like and getting into the area and playing sort of quite a narrow uh, runner off Tony, and I, I liked him. I thought he was. He impressed me more than Tony did. He's but it's just one game, player. Will. It is one game, but it's the only game I've ever seen them play.
2: Yeah, okay. <laughs> but they played against. They played against Arsenal. They were expected to be, yeah, more defensively set up. Um It's like, it's a bit like uh, we used to say about Son and Kane on the counter attack. You prefer Son, so. When they play, they are, they got a run of Crystal Palace, Villa, Brighton, and Wolverhampton now. So, you. But they are away to
1: be. There are away to Palace. they are away to Villa. So yeah, I'm that's expecting, true, you, I'm expecting. You'd expect them to
2: be more attacking than they were against Arsenal.
1: I'm. I'm expect, look, I like the fact that they were pressing. I think that was really good yeah. and encouraging. I think they'll cause teams problems with that. But the next two matches are away, and I do think that to me favors the runner. It favors Brian yeah. and Bueno historically. It, yeah than Tony also I want the opportunity because I think as I was saying before I think Loom, unlike Tony was a real focal point for attacks for Everton yeah, that's and he's going to get goals so I just feel it's the two together and I'm not opposed to taking a hit at this stage because we've got some information last week I had no information on Brentford really and I think looking at how Everton are playing under Benitez I think that really bodes well and the fixtures are good like they can score they can definitely get chances against Leeds to score you know, and they've got a decent run for the next five or six after that. So I'm not opposed to, to that move. And I feel I'd rather have a 5.5 player. I know 6.5 isn't much anyway, but a 5.5 player from Brentford from a newly promoted team feels, I feel more comfortable.
0: And he's going to play as well. Gonna play. He's, well, he's going to play. And he's going to play, yeah. Will's going to get rid
2: of Tony possibly because also uh, due to two away games, but you're bringing two players who also... Play away twice
1: in a row. Yeah, but the point is, Calvert Lewin's the focal point of the attack. Like he will be the one on the they're trying to get on the end of the chances. Tony is not. And he'll still get chances. I still think he's good. And this could easily backfire. I'm just saying my logic here is that if we're saying that away from home, like like Spurs at Southampton, it was Son who was running in behind. You know, it's the it's the it's the sprinter. Who will get the chances and that's what I think will happen um, in Brentford's next two matches. But it's all an unknown isn't it? It's it's, all it, an unknown. it is an unknown and I'm just going on what I've seen and there was, also that, there was also a stat I think I saw you already put one group where Tony got what three goals in the last... Yeah um, that's
2: true. He got three goals since um, he got three goals from open play since returning from injury in February and I think it was like nine, 16 or 19 games. Yeah. Something like that. God, I wish I knew that one earlier. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. he scored. He has scored three goals from open play in nineteen games, uh, so sixteen hundred minutes of football.
0: Oh wow!
1: Well, take get rid of him, Will. I'm getting rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, as I said, I just think I think the away thing is less important for Everton because because of the position Calvert Lewin plays in the Everton team. Whereas I think it might be more important for Brentford. That's all. And ultimately, I want Calvert Lewin. He's really the player I want. I think Yeah, really me too. Goes.
0: Thank you for joining us on today's show. Yes, it's time to get back to tinkering your teams. Don't do what I did last week. Don't tinker too much. It starts to fall off after a while. The team that is not you know, yeah. for more content from the boys, you can go on Twitter, and you can find Geordie at Jockey underscore F P R. That's Jockey with two C's, I believe. Uh, Matt can be found at Matt Kearney ninety two, and Kenny's K E A R N E Y. I think i have got that right. And Will's handle was nice and simple: Top Marks, as in. Karl Marx uh, underscore FPR, And you can follow me on Twitter, wow, at FF, where you can find out about different themed shows that hopefully I'll have on offer in the future. And of course, if you did enjoy listening to the show today, please do tell people. Thank you for listening, and good luck with Game Week 2. FBO, I want to be champion. Or at least I'm going to be top 10. Now there's this guy who plays the best F-B-O. That's relative success. Take it down now! Will I be Magnus? Or is this madness? Will I, will I, will I be Magnus? I got to know, I got to be that Magnus.